Okay, so we have two Bible readings this morning, uh, both from John, but interestingly, not the same book. Um, So the first one is from John, not one John, but John, chapter 1, starting in verse 1. I'll just give you a minute to find that in your Bibles. All right, let's read together. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Now we're going to flip over to 1 John. So 1 John 1, starting at verse 1, and we're going to read down to um, chapter 2, verse 2. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar 
and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is God's word. Thank you, Julia. Uh, please keep your Bibles open to 1 John. Uh, we are starting a new series in John's first epistle, his first letter, um, which we'll be looking at over the, the next um, oh, a month or so. Um, I should say, uh, welcome if you're new or visiting us this morning. Um, uh, add to, to Matt's welcome. Uh, my name's Jono, if I haven't met you. Um, and my name's also Jono, if I haven't met you. Thanks, Matt. It's a good one. Let's uh, pray as we come to, uh, to, to focus on this part of God's Word. Father God, we, we do ask that you'd help us now. We thank you that you have spoken. And we ask that you'd give us ears to hear, minds to understand, and hearts ready to respond to you. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Just going to drop this. Well, there's a, a show on TV at the moment called Alone. Uh, who's, who's seen it? Show of hands, so I know if I'm speaking to it. Yep, some people. Phil Burgess seen it. He was the one who put me onto it, actually. Thought I might, uh, might like it. I do like it, brother. It's been, uh, it's been good. Um, it's uh, a. Uh, actually, Matt mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, it, alone is a survival show. It's a, a competition to see which of 10 competitors can uh, survive alone in the wilderness uh, for the longest. Oh, sorry, James, um, we don't have um, the latest slides, so ignore that. Um, so which of, the, which of the 10 competitors uh, can survive alone in the wilderness uh, for the longest? Uh, they have been various series throughout the world, and the most recent series is set in, uh, in the remote wilderness area in Tasmania. Uh, they're each individually dropped off by themselves in, in, in 10 different locations um, with 10 items that they've chosen from a list of allowable items. Things like a sleeping bag and a tarp and some fish hooks and a flint to start a fire. And, and, and they have to, to build their own shelter. They have to source their own uh, food. They have to film themselves doing everything. And they have to do it alone for as long as possible until they give up and they tap out by calling uh, for pickup on a satellite phone. The last person standing wins $250,000. It's challenging. It's challenging lots of ways. It's, I mean, it's challenging to, to sleep rough and to, in, in the cold and in the wet. It's challenging to uh, source food and the, the challenge of the inevitable hunger and, and slow starvation that results uh, from not having enough food. Um, but the biggest and the most difficult challenge... For most, if not all, if not all of them, is simply being alone. Uh, some of them barely last two days before the de desire for connection with their family gets the better of them, and they tap out. Um, others succeed in, in building incredible infrastructure and and uh, creating a source of food, and it seems like that they could just kind of live there indefinitely, but they can't because they can't handle being alone. Which, of course, makes sense. It makes sense given the reality that we're made for relationship. We're made for, for fellowship with other people. Uh, I reckon we, we know this. I mean, we know this intrinsically. Uh, whether we ourselves know and value and enjoy good connections and relationships that we have or whether we, whether we grieve and suffer the broken relationships or the isolation that we may feel. And uh, it seems increasingly in our, in our connected and over-connected world ironically 
isolation and loneliness is all too common. We're made for connection. We're made for relationship. We're made for fellowship. Fundamentally, we're made for fellowship with God, our creator, and we're made for fellowship with one another. So how can we have true fellowship? This chapter before us in uh, 1 John addresses this question. John writes uh, this letter so that those who are reading it can have fellowship with God and with one another. Um, Now, this chapter doesn't address all our uh, relational issues, all our felt needs in terms of connection and fellowship, but it does lay what I would say is a a crucial foundation that that actually sets us on the path to, to real life, to real truth, to real fellowship. So look with me at this, uh, this part of God's word in 1 John 1. Uh, John begins uh, in an unusual way for a New Testament letter. Uh, there's no details given about who it's addressed to or who it's sent from or there isn't the, the usual greeting that starts most New Testament letters. John just launches into, straight into the heart of what he wants to say. And he starts with this, this kind of big, long, somewhat jumbled up sentence which can take a, a few reads through it to kind of unpack and digest what he's saying but at the heart of it John is answering the question how can we have true fellowship that's what he wants for his readers look there verse verse 3 it'll come up on the screen he says we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the father and with his son Jesus Christ John says we have fellowship with with God, Father and Son, and we want you to have fellowship with us, which means that you also will have fellowship with the Father and the Son. John wants that for his readers. God's Word wants that for us. Do you think of yourself as having fellowship with God, with the Father, with His Son, Jesus Christ? That's something we can have. How? Well, verse 3 says it comes through the proclamation of what, of what John has seen and heard. That is, John has been a, a witness. Now, verse 1 speaks of, uh, of that which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. Seeing, hearing, looking, touching. John, John has witnessed something that he then, he then testifies about, that he proclaims. You know, it's like if, if King Charles was to walk through the door of our church today. You could see him, you could hear him, you could touch him if, if that's allowed. I don't know if that is allowed. But, and then you could go out and you could testify about that fact. You could proclaim to your friends, to your family and probably the media that King Charles has appeared at our church this morning. What has John witnessed? Well, actually, he witnessed a far more significant appearing. Verse 1, he says, that which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked at and our, our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We've seen it we, and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. What John has, has seen, heard, looked at, touched, testified to, proclaimed is the appearing of the word of life, the life, the eternal life, 
that which was from the beginning, that which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Now John is talking about, of course, Jesus, the eternal word of life who was with the Father from the beginning, from all eternity, and who has appeared to us. God has broken into this world. The eternal realm of God has, has entered into our existence, has come in time and space as the man Jesus, whom John and his fellow apostles heard with their ears, saw with their eyes, touched with their hands, and testified to whoever would listen. But notice that Jesus is not just merely described as the man Jesus. He's described as the word of life, the life. The eternal life. In the appearing of Jesus, life has appeared. Eternal life, life from the Father is revealed. And this brings fellowship. But it's not just fellowship for those who, who were there, who saw, who heard, who, who touched Jesus. I mean, that, that would make sense for, for those who were there with Jesus to say, well, we have fellowship. We have relationship with Jesus. No, it's more than that. The, the message of this word of life is proclaimed to others so that they too may have fellowship with the Father, with the Son. The way to have true fellowship with God is through hearing the message of the appearing of the word of life. It's through God making himself known. I mean, it's just like you, you can't really know me unless I choose to reveal myself to, to, to tell you about me, to tell you what I'm like. You can't have fellowship with me unless I do that. In the same way, we can't know God and have fellowship with him unless he makes himself known to us, unless he reveals himself to us, which John testifies God has done. In the one whom John heard, saw, touched, and then proclaimed to the world. See, if we'd been there in, in first century Judea, we too could have, could have seen and heard and, and touched Jesus ourselves. We could have had some things about him revealed to us. I wonder if you, if you ever think, gee, that, that'd be good, you know. If, if only I'd been there in the first century in Judea and I, I'd been able to see Jesus and hear Jesus and you know, reach out. And it, you know, it, that, that would be so much better because it would be so much easier to believe if I had that. Which, of course, is not true. I mean, so many of those who, who were there, they, they were blind to who Jesus was. So many of them didn't get it. They, they didn't believe. And actually, far better than having a kind of our own partial, first-hand experience of some aspects of Jesus' life and teaching, far better than that is we have in our hands the complete final revelation that Jesus has given us through his spirit-empowered chosen apostles. The ones who proclaim to us what they saw, what they heard, so that we can have fellowship. Fellowship together with them, fellowship with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. We can have fellowship with God through the message of the appearing of the word of life. Friends, that is great news. But of course, as we hear of this this fellowship with God. It's not long before we encounter a problem. And maybe that problem kind of appears in your mind as you contemplate having fellowship with God. Or actually there's a number of problems, a number of obstacles to fellowship with God. In the message that John 
the witness to the word of life that that he declares is there in verse 5. He says, this is the message we've heard from him and declare to you. Here it is. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. John says, here's the revelation from God about God. God is light. Well, what does that mean? Well, firstly, it means he's not darkness. It says, in him there is no darkness at all. Light and darkness can't coexist. God is light, therefore he is not darkness. Maybe that helps us a little bit. Well, actually, the verses that, un- that follow unpack, well, what, what does darkness represent? Well, darkness in the, in the verses that follow are, conne- are connected with, with lies and with sin. So verse 6 says, if we walk in the darkness, we lie. We do not live out the truth. Verse 7 says, if we walk in the light, then our our sin is purified by the blood of Jesus. So on the one hand, we have have light, we have fellowship with God, we have living out the truth, we have fellowship with one another, we have purity. Next slide, thanks, James. And on the other, we have darkness. Next slide. Walking in in the darkness, we have lying, we have sin. Two sides, light and darkness. So the obstacle, sorry, the obvious obstacle to fellowship with God, with light, with truth, with purity, the obstacle is walking in darkness, walking in lies, walking in sin. Which is something, of course, we're all prone to. I mean, none of us can say, I am light. In me, there is no darkness at all. The darkness of, of our sin is an obstacle to fellowship with God, who is, who is light. And, and this obstacle can lead to, well, to another false path, uh, namely uh, the deception of claiming to be without sin. Uh, verse 8 uh, calls this out. It says in verse 8, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, that may seem obvious that we, well, we, we can't claim to be without sin, and yet how common that is. I mean, as, a, as the reality of God is, is ignored or suppressed, well, then the human state can be redefined, no longer as sinfully rebelling against our creator God, but, well, as kind of just a bit misaligned or a bit misinformed or a bit unenlightened or maybe in need of better education or maybe liberation from the oppressive tyranny of tradition and authority. And our world is is frantically trying to redefine reality in order to claim that that sin doesn't exist, that we are without sin. Uh, Or a second related but slightly different false path is to not to deny that sin exists, but to claim that, that we ourselves have not sinned. And so verse 10 says, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. That is, if God's word tells us we have sinned and we claim that we haven't sinned, well, we're in effect calling God a liar. The extent of this this kind of self-deception that goes on constantly in the fallen world around us is, is astounding. But it's not just out there. I think it's, it's also in our own hearts, in our own lives. I mean, no one would say that they're, they're perfect. 
except maybe the completely deluded narcissist, but, but generally we wouldn't say that we're perfect. And yet we do minimise and downplay the, the extent or the seriousness of the problem that there is darkness in us, there is sin, there is self-deception. And yet God's word announces, proclaims a message of life, of truth, of, of, of fellowship, of light. Well, despite these obstacles, despite these false paths, there is a way to have true fellowship with God and with one another. There, there is a way that has, has broken into this world, has been announced to this world. And firstly, it's, it is to walk in the light. As John says uh, negatively in verse 6, he says, If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But positively, verse 7, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with, notice, one another. We might expect to say we have fellowship with, with God the Father, a fellowship which overflows to one another. And it says, And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. That is, if we walk in the light, if we, if we walk in fellowship with God, if we walk in his ways, if we live life seeking to follow God in the light of his ways, then rather than the, the murky darkness of our sin being an, an obstacle to fellowship with God who is light, no, no, instead we're cleansed, washed of the darkness of our sin by the blood of Jesus. He, he purifies us from all our sin. Notice it doesn't say, if you walk in the light, then you won't have any more sin. Now, there isn't, this isn't an expectation of life without sin, so that you can start, then start having fellowship with God. It's not a, a call to walk with God and receive, and, and, and therefore you know, be, be, become sinless. No, it's a call to walk with God and receive the washing, the cleansing, the purifying from your sin. So whether or not we have fellowship with God is not a matter of of whether or not we sin, because we all sin. Now, the way to have true fellowship with God is to, to firstly walk in the light, to embrace the light of living God's way, something that we'll see more of next week in chapter 2. But notice also, at, at its heart, true fellowship with God comes as we, as we confess our sins. As the passage goes on to say, I mean, the way of darkness, verse 8, is to claim to be without sin, to deceive ourselves, the truth is not in us. But the way of light, verse 9, is to confess our sins, to admit the reality of our sin, to, to admit that we, that we have not acknowledged God as we ought, that, we've, that we are in need of his forgiveness. And if we confess our sins, notice the glorious promise Verse 9 continues, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The, the, the darkness will be washed away. Friends, we are made for relationship with God, for, for fellowship with God and with one another. And despite our own sinful tendency to, to turn from God, to break that fellowship, God in his mercy has shone into the, into the darkness. The word of life appeared in Jesus, the Son of God, and, and he dealt with our sin through his death on the cross, bringing us forgiveness, washing, cleansing, purifying of our sin 
so that we have fellowship with God and one another. The way to have fellowship with God is, is to not deny our sin, but to confess our sins, to be forgiven, to be purified. If you're a Christian, you know this. But I want to say, let this sink in. Be refreshed by this truth. I wonder if sometimes perhaps our, our, our problem is, is not that we downplay our sin, but that we downplay the, the promise of forgiveness and cleansing from our sin. I mean, maybe we're, we're aware of our own shortcomings, we're aware of our inadequacies, our failure to, to meet even our own expectations. And, and we kind of subconsciously project how we see ourselves onto God and assume, well, that must be how he sees us too. I want to say, if that's your tendency, listen to the word of God. Because it doesn't say, if we confess our sins, he will agree that we are sinful and confirm us in our unrighteousness. It doesn't say that. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Which means we, we can rest forgiven, cleansed, purified before God, secure in relationship with him. We have fellowship with God. Now, that doesn't mean that we, we kind of swing to the other extreme and have a blasé attitude to sin and just say, oh, well, it doesn't matter, you know, if I sin, God will forgive me, sin away. No, no, no. John, John says, 2 verse 1, my dear children, I write to you so that you will not sin. And our walking in the light means we strive to not sin, we strive to live God's way. But if and when we do sin, well, we rest secure knowing that as verse 1 continues, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We strive to not sin, but we rest secure knowing that Jesus has achieved our forgiveness. So by way of implications, I want to say, do you have fellowship with God? God has entered into this world. The word of life has appeared. The light has shone into the darkness. Have you embraced that reality? Have you confessed your sins and turned to walk in the light? If so, you have fellowship with God. Rest and rejoice in that reality. If you haven't yet embraced the reality that God has entered into this world, that he calls on you to confess your sin and to turn from it to walk in the light, I want to say, what are you waiting for? The promise is held out to you. God will forgive you, will purify you, will welcome you into relationship with him. What are you waiting for? Why don't you make today the day that you start walking in the light, that you start walking in fellowship with God, forgiven by him? But secondly, if we have fellowship with God, well, then we, we have fellowship with one another. Sin is, sin is isolating. Darkness is isolating. See, if in my sinfulness, if I try to, to dethrone God and place the crown on my own head, so to speak, to use that image, if I rule my little part of this world, well, that's going to seriously jeopardise my relationship with you. 
unless you're happy to acknowledge that I rule this part of the world, which probably won't go so well if you're also in my little part of the world. Sin is destructive. It is isolating. It breaks fellowship. But if we both walk in the light, acknowledging, embracing that God is light, that, that he is God, if we confess our sin, if we turn from it, if we receive God's forgiveness, we're, we're freed up, we're freed to relate to one another as fellow forgiven children of God. And so instead of requiring you to, to align with my sinful need to rule my life, as fellow servants of the true King, as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a profound unity, a freedom to relate to one another rightly. Now, of course, we don't always do that perfectly. Uh, we do sin against God. We do sin against one another. But praise God, Jesus has come. Light has shone into the darkness. And he has paved the way for forgiveness, for restored fellowship with God and with one another. Let's pray that we would walk in the light of that fellowship. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you that you've not left us in the darkness of this world, the darkness of our own sin. But Father, we thank you that you sent your Son into this world, the word of life. We thank you for giving us the, the testimony about him that we can know you, that we can walk with you. And Father, we ask that you would lead us to repent of our sin, to not deny it, to not deceive ourselves, but to humbly admit that, that we have sinned against you and to seek your forgiveness. And Father, we thank you for the, the astounding promise that you are faithful and just, that you will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Father, lead us, we pray, to walk in the light, the light of fellowship with you as our God, and in fellowship with one another as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.